Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. All right. Good morning, church. Good to be back at Mercy Hill again. I, uh, I love coming here for several reasons. First of all, just love being with you guys. This is uh, the place to be in Munster, that's for sure. And uh, I love coming because I live very close. I'm about a minute and a half that way. <laughs> and wouldn't you believe we were late? <laughs> God has this amazing way of just keeping us humble. <laughs> Lord help us. <laughs> it's always that way, you know, when you have someplace far to go, you're early. And when you have to go next door, you're late. I, I don't know, it's just a human condition, I guess. Um, but it's wonderful, wonderful to be here. And uh, it looks like the church is growing, praise God. And back at Living Word, I just want you to know that we pray for you guys all the time. We love you guys. We pray for the leaders, pray for the people of the church. And uh, we fully know and expect that God is going to do something mighty, massive, and powerful through this church, through this group of people. We believe that with all our hearts, otherwise we wouldn't have sent you guys here. But uh, God is doing something good. And um, I was just thinking during worship how important it is that we really don't, don't focus on how many people we've got in our churches. And it's such, it's such the temptation, especially for pastors. But I feel like God's saying, you know what, it's not about how many people you've got in the church, it's whether or not you've got one person in the church, and that's God and His presence. Presence of God is absolutely everything. And there's a lot of churches with a lot of people in them, but you know what? You just feel like, wow, God, we need your presence in these places. And I really believe that as we just seek the Lord and we seek his presence and ask his presence to be here and to join us, that's going to do what? That's going to draw people in. What people need today is the presence of God. They don't need big churches. So as we focus on the Lord Jesus and ask for his presence here, and I'm talking about his manifest presence. I'm not talking about, yeah, he's everywhere, he's in the ocean, he's in the trees, he's with the squirrels. No, I'm talking about the manifest presence of the crucified Savior here among us working powerfully. That's going to be the thing that draws people into him. People will come to know him and people will get God is good, amen? Amen. Well, before I start... um, my wife, Susan, I'd like for her to come up. She feels that she has a prophetic word from the Lord, so we're just going to start, start strong this morning. Is that okay? All right. This is my wife, Susan, by the way. We just celebrated four years together. She said four great years, if you didn't hear that. Okay, I, um, I just had... Um, I, I just had a really strong sense as we were singing a couple of the songs um, earlier. There, there was a line that said, from generation to generation, you never fail us, oh God. And, um, and then at the end we sing again about how all things work together for my good. And like God makes all things work together for our good. And I, I was just overcome and I felt really, really strongly that there's somebody here who feels that they don't have a spiritual heritage, 
that the generations before you were not faithful to the Lord or didn't know the Lord or really um, messed up in some way. And um, I just um, I just felt like God wants you to know that it doesn't matter what your past is because your generation can start something for the Lord. And you can say, it doesn't matter if my grandparents or parents really screwed up or whatever, um, that God wants you to know that um, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's from First Peter 2. And um, I just, um, just want to speak that if, if you're feeling that today, like you don't have a spiritual heritage or you know, you're a second-rate Christian or something, that that's just a lie and it's not true. And you just need to say, Lord, from, from my day on, my generation and the generation after me in my family, we will be a people that love the Lord and serve the Lord and see his goodness come to pass in your life. And anyway, so Amen. just receive that today. Amen, that's right. Let's just go ahead and just, uh, let's just minister that right now, amen? Let's just minister some unlocking and releasing in the name of Jesus. If you feel like that works for you, just lift your hands right now and I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that we do belong to you. God, thank you that in Christ Jesus, our past is erased. It's gone, Lord. Whatever has happened, Lord, even with generations, Lord, of sin and bondage, And evil, God, thank you that in you that is wiped away, Lord God. Nothing, nothing can overcome the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is effective and powerful enough to wash away every sin, every doubt, every unbelief. In the name of Jesus, God, we believe that right now and we proclaim that. Lord Jesus, right now, I just... Proclaim that word that just came through, Susan, for everybody here, each and every one of us, God, because each and every one of us come from a tainted past. Lord, maybe it's many generations, maybe it's recent, God, but you're able to cleanse us and to renew us and to bring us new life again. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you that in you, we have an eternal spiritual heritage, a heritage that is without end, because we are complete in you, and you, Lord, are everything to us. Thank you for that right now in the name of Jesus. We just come against every harassing, lying spirit that would try to tell anybody in this room that they are less than anybody else, that they are not part of God's family, that because of whatever has happened in their past or in the past of their families, that they cannot be all that God has created them to be. We come against that now in the name of Jesus, and we speak the truth of God's word that we are the righteous redeemed of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the freedom. Thank you for the release. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the power. Thank you for the resurrection life we have in you today, O God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The gates of hell cannot stand against us, Lord. Every ploy and attack of the enemy has to fall to the ground. 
God, now I just pray this one thing, that you would help us to speak and proclaim your words of truth. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Your truth battles, Lord, against every lie of the enemy, against every negative thought. God, we want to hold fast to your word this morning. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, who loves us, who died for us, and who gives us new life again. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your power. God, thank you that you're working in us, among us, through us. Lord, right now, right now. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. Thank you that you're drawing us to yourself in the name of Jesus. Not ordinary living, but extraordinary living. Extraordinary living. Not natural living. Supernatural living, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, we do ask for your manifest presence, Lord, this morning. This morning, God, right now in the name of Jesus, an increase of your presence, an increase of your hope, an increase of your power right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. Thank you, God. We want Pentecost right here. Acts chapter 2 right here in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for these leaders. Thank you for this building that you have provided. Thank you for every blade of grass, Lord, for every piece of dirt, for every brick, God. Thank you for every person, Lord Jesus, for every child, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you're doing a good thing here, God. And the gates of hell will not prevail, O oh God. Thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We proclaim you, O oh God. We proclaim your power, your name, and your salvation here in the name of Jesus. Thank you. You're a God who redeems the lost. You're a God who heals the sick. You're a God who raises the dead. You renew minds. You strengthen hearts. You heal marriages. Ha <laughs> ha! Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for that. These are good days to be alive, God, because you're working. Ha <laughs> ha! Pardon me while I get happy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are good. You are good. God, we ask that you would just bless your word today. Thank you, Lord, it's your word. We don't want to hear from man. We want to hear from our Heavenly Father. We don't want to hear from Todd. We want to hear from God today, Lord Jesus. Pray you just work today in us and among us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. God is teaching me not to be in a rush. It's a good thing. <laughs> Never be in a rush. Always let the Spirit of God have control. Thank you, Jesus. I know that you guys have, um, have been in sort of this eternal series out of the book of Luke, which I'm trusting has been great. There's so much in the book of Luke. And uh, Johnny called me a couple days ago, and he sort of broke the news that he and Michelle and the family weren't going to be here. And I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> But um, he would want that anyways. And as a matter of fact, John Sr. just told me that very thing. So I feel very, I feel very at home. I feel very comfortable. I feel very free just to minister as God would lead here. But um, 
we're moving towards Christmas now, and um, we're going to do a bit of a run-up towards Christmas time. And uh, I'm going to preach today out of Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn, please, to Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Lord, we say we're ready for your interruptions this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 1. Luke writes this, Many, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. I love this book. I love this gospel, the gospel of Luke. There's a whole lot of detail in this gospel, which is why Johnny is taking you guys through it for endless months, because there's so much to draw from, and there's so much that Luke actually says here. We know that Luke, historically, was a doctor. He's a man of detail. He's a man who likes to write things down. He likes to record things. Things are very important to him. And it says here, that a lot of people have drawn up an account. A lot of people have wrote about the things that have been what? That have been fulfilled. And so Luke himself, knowing that many others have written down things that have been fulfilled, has himself now decided to write his own account. Because he wants, in particular, this one man named Theophilus. We don't know a lot about him, but we do know that he's probably of noble birth of some sort. Maybe he's involved in the, the government of Rome or something. But Luke is writing because he wants Theophilus to be, to know with certainty and to know with absolute assurance of the things that God has done what? That God has actually fulfilled. So in other words, this gospel of Luke is a prophetic log of all the things that God has done for his people. And Luke wants to make sure that everything is recorded so that everybody knows the surety that when God speaks something, he does it. What God says, he performs. You hear that? Thank God God is not like some politician who makes a lot of promises and once he gets elected to office, a couple months later you're wondering, well, where are all the promises at? (laughs) Dude, come on, we put you into office because you said you were going to do some things. Are you doing any of these things? No. Number one, God is not elected to office. He owns the office. He's going to stay in office whether or not human beings want him there or not. And second of all, God performs every word that he speaks. He is faithful to his plan. And so Luke is writing his gospel so that this man and others would know the surety of the fact that when God says something, he does it. And also, so everybody knows that God has had a plan. Now life in these days, around the time of Jesus, was not very good. was not very good. There was a lot of persecution the Roman government was, was very, very harsh on the Jewish people. 
And even the Jewish people themselves have stopped following God in the way that God had prescribed in the Old Testament. So life was not good. Life was not good. But God had a plan. God was unfolding his plan. And Luke wrote his gospel so people would know that what God plans and says he will do, he actually does. And so this morning, this morning I want to talk about five things that we can expect from God as he unfolds his plan for the earth today. Now, I usually don't preach by points like that. I usually don't say I've got X number of points and I'm going to let you know what they are. But I just feel like every point is important, and so I just want to roll them out one by one. Five things that we can expect from God as he unfolds his plan for the earth today. Now, I'm going to pick up reading here in verse 11 of chapter 1, and we get right into here at the beginning... Uh, two people named Zechariah and Elizabeth, and God's plan for them. Zechariah was a priest, and uh, one day he was called to minister in the temple of God. Let's pick up what happens from there in verse 11. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a surprise. You know, you show up at work one day and you're doing your your stuff, and all of a sudden an angel of God is standing before you and begins to talk about things. And in particular, he says, the prayer that you have been praying for so long, well, guess what? It's come before the Lord, and the Lord God is going to answer your prayer. A funny thing about this, it says that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were married. As a matter of fact, they were old, and they had been praying a long time because they had wanted what? They had wanted a child. That's all they were praying, God, give us a child. God, please minister us this one thing. We're not asking you for a lot. We just, just, want a, just want a baby, that's all. Just want a baby. And so they wait, and year after year after year goes by. No answer from God yet. No baby. Nothing's happening. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up on the scene. You know, they only wanted a child for themselves. But God wanted to give them something much more than just an answer to their prayer. What God wanted to give them was a son who was going to be a prophet and a forerunner of Jesus. So in some ways, their prayer was, God, just give us a child. God was saying yes to that prayer. God was going to say, yes, I'm going to answer your prayer, but I'm going to go far, far beyond what you're asking for. I'm going to take this child and I'm going to fold him into my plan for the entire earth. So here's my first point. As we talk about five things that we can expect from God as he unfolds his plan on the earth, God will not just answer our prayers, but he will do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask 
or imagine. Sometimes we just pray low prayers. You know, what kind of church would we be if God actually just gave us the answers to our prayers, if that's all we got was the little things that we asked for? But the Bible talks about how God wants to blow that away. He wants to say yes to us. He wants to minister to us. He wants to bless us by giving us the things that we ask for. But he wants to go much beyond that. And he wants to, he wants to take those answers and unfold them into his bigger plan. He wants to go far beyond what we're asking and give us so much more. That's what happened to Zechariah and Elizabeth. They just wanted a child. And God said, okay, I'll give you a child, but I'm going to give you much more than that. This child is going to be a tremendous part of my plan for the earth in that day. God is good, but he wants to reveal himself not only as good, but as great, as awesome, as someone whose mind, whose intellect, and whose desires go far beyond just ours, far beyond what we're asking, far beyond what we're praying, far beyond what we're thinking. God wants to reveal himself not only as good, but as great. And he wants to give us so much more. Verses 16, 16 through 17 here, it says that um, of John, that many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. He'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. John was going to have a mission. It wasn't just a baby. It wasn't just a child. It was a child with a calling and a mission upon his life. There was going to be a whole lot of blessing for a whole lot of people because of the answer that God was bringing to their praying, to their prayers. So the second point is this. God has the right to use the answer to our prayers as a means of blessing to many, many other people. God wants to bless. God wants everyone to know that he's a God of blessing. When we come to him and we receive him and we say, God, your ways are right and your word is true, we come under his favor. And God is saying, under my favor, I open my arms and I bless. And I give you so, so much more than you're asking for. Did you know God wants to blow your prayers away today? Did you ever think about the fact that we're praying small prayers and he just wants to blow what you're thinking about completely away in his goodness, in his greatness, in his love. Sometimes we just need to take stock of what we're praying. All right, what is it here that I'm really asking God for? Is this really in line with God's heart or does God have more for me? Does God have more for me? God wants to reveal his goodness to us. Let's keep reading here in verse 18. says, then Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their proper time. You know what, for myself, I always thought, wow, wow, what a, what a harsh punishment. You know, John had, uh, not John, but Zechariah had this one moment, this 30 seconds of lapse in his faith, and God does what? Pulls his voice away. I'm like, Lord, is that really your heart? I mean, is that what you do? I mean, if I have a momentary lapse in faith for 30 seconds, are you going to 
hit me hard like that? But we have to look at what's happening here. Let's look at the context. This angel is ruling out this plan of God that actually started back in Genesis, where it talked about how uh, when God spoke to Eve, and, and after Adam and Eve had sinned, and God prophesied over this woman, over his own creation, that her heel was going to crush the serpent's head. Her seed was going to come and defeat the enemy of all enemies who had brought sin into the world. So this was a plan that started way back in Genesis, thousands and thousands of years, even before Zechariah had been born. And through all the, the speaking of the prophets and everything that happened to the children of Israel, this plan was in the works. And, and through all the, the sin that happened and through all the hard times and, and through it all, just the goodness of God prevailed and his, and his plan is now being rolled out. This is the fulfillment of the ages right here. And what happens? Zechariah begins to speak doubt and unbelief into the plan. This is not so much punishment as it is protection. God is protecting his plan for the earth, his plan that would come to you and me and to us after and to people after. God is protecting his plan from the negative words of Zechariah. Point three, God will protect his promises from our ungodliness. He has the right to do that. He has the right to do that. Zechariah isn't being punished here, but he's saying, look, Zechariah, as I'm unfolding this plan to you, and I'm telling you, I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to give you this child, much more than just a child. This is going to be a child of promise through whom many, many people will be blessed. This is huge. This is so much more than you are asking for. Zechariah, if you're going to speak words of doubt, I'm going to pull your voice right out of your mouth. And for nine months, while that baby is in the, the womb of your wife, I'm going to keep you from speaking negatively. We have to be careful what we say. We have to be careful of how we think because God's plan is always at work. Sometimes we can get discouraged, I know. We've got to be careful, though, because words are powerful. Just look at what God did here to Zechariah. God loved Zechariah. He wasn't looking to punishment, to punish him. But God had to protect the promise and the plan that he had in the works. You know, um, my wife and I, Right now, we're in this little bit of a season where we're fasting TV, and uh, we've gone a year so far, hallelujah, all by the power of God. But um, as I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this story, the Lord reminded me how it had to be a good, a good dozen years ago when I felt like just the call of God to begin to come upon my life and to begin to sort of take over everything, you know. I was working in a pharmaceutical company. I thought I would just stay there. I was in production management, doing pretty well, earning decent money, whatever. And I thought that was a track that God had to me. And then all of a sudden, God started to unfold his plan to me about how he wanted me to work in ministry. You know, and you get all sort of the, you know, I'm not sure if that's God. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We just wait and we just continue to weigh that out and allow God to speak into it. And at the point when I was really convinced, and I had talked to some other people, and I had gotten some counsel, at the point that I was convinced that God was calling me, not just into full-time ministry, I believed I was in full-time ministry then, I just happened to work 40 hours at a company, same for everybody here, but God wanted me to vocationally be involved in ministry. I felt God saying, now, you're going to need to utilize your time a little better than you are. You know, in the evenings, you need to start studying and, and seeking me and 
and growing and being a part of ministry in the church and things. And um, what happened was I actually was just continuing to watch a lot of TV. Now, I had a, a really big TV. It was, uh, it was probably, if I remember right, it was 53 or 55 inches diagonally, almost five feet, almost five feet wide. And in those days, we didn't have a lot of flat screens. I mean, they, they had plasma TVs, which were pretty flat, but those things were like $30,000 and wasn't going to happen. But, so I had this big TV. It was about five feet wide. My, my mom remembers it. And uh, it wasn't a flat screen, so that means it was about five feet deep, too, you know. It took about five guys to get it off the truck and into my house. And, but it was huge, and I loved it. And I had, like, this premium cable package, you know. And so what would happen? Every night, come home tired from work, sit on the couch, and just start going through the channels. You know, go to bed, 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And uh, at one point, God just stopped me in my tracks, and he's like, you're done with TV. I want you to put that away for a while. I want you to cancel your cable subscription. And I'm like, ah, what? <laughs> and so I did it. It wasn't easy, but I did it. And so I started to spend my evening studying God's word and being with other people and uh, just preparing myself for what God had for me. So was God punishing me? No, God wasn't punishing me. He was protecting me from my own self-indulgence and from my own ungodliness. God had spoken something into my life. He had wanted me to be a part of his plan. And what was I doing? I was going against his plan by just indulging my own flesh. And so God said, no, I need to take this from your life right now because I need to protect the promise and plan that I'm speaking over you. And so there's times when God will take things from us, not because he's punishing us, but because he wants to protect the promise and the plan that he's spoken over our lives. Each and every one of us, God has spoken a promise and a plan. There's a promise and a plan. There's a promise and a plan, my friend. There's a promise and a plan that God is speaking over each and every one of you. And there's times when God is going to protect that promise and plan for your own good and for my own good. It's not necessarily punishment. God is not a mean God. He's a generous God. He's a God who has mercy. He's a God who forgives. But how many of you know there's times when the things of the world can get in the way of God's plan? And God says, okay, now we're going to stop that because there's too much at stake. There's too much I have planned for you. There's too much goodness. There's too much glory. There's too much power. There's too much excitement. There's too much adventure. And really, that's what God did for Zechariah. He saved him. He saved him. I like verse 20 here. It says, those things which will come true at their proper time. Every aspect of God's plan has its perfect timing. The fact that John the Baptist and Jesus was born around the same time, that's no coincidence. It says in Galatians 4.4 that when the time had fully come, God sent his son. There was a particular timing to everything that God was doing. God has his plan. God has his timing. We have to be aware of God's plan. We have to be aware of God's timing. You know, so often when uh, you know, we pray for things, we believe for things, we hold to God for things, it just seems like God's not answering. What do we usually think? Oh, God's teaching me patience. God is teaching me how to be patient. Oh, I got to learn patience. Well, you know what? Frankly, I don't think God's teaching us patience. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we're not being patient, what is God trying to do? He's not trying to teach us to be patient. He's trying to get us into the Holy Spirit. He's trying to get us to walk in the Holy Spirit and live by the Holy Spirit according to Galatians 5. When we do that, guess what? We have patience. Patience is there because it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit and not of our own efforts. 
So God's not trying to teach us patience. What is God trying to do? He just wants us to go along with the plan. If he's delaying the answer, if he's delaying the promise, that means there's something that he's doing in the background. There's things that are happening. There's wheels of God that are turning behind the scenes. I I love Ezekiel's visions of wheels with wheels inside of wheels, and it's all turning, and you've got these flaming angels working inside and out, and it's this mysterious thing that nobody has understood throughout the ages, and we probably still won't for a long time till we get to heaven, but it means this one thing. To me, it means that God is always working behind the scenes. We don't understand what God is doing. We don't know what those wheels mean or whatever, but we do know this, that there's activity behind the scenes that we don't see in the spiritual realms. And God just wants us to have this attitude, this mature attitude. If he's delaying the answer, it's not because he's teaching us patience, but it's because he's got this awesome plan behind it all, and everything has got to come into its perfect timing. When the time fully comes, God sends Jesus, and God sends the answers. God sends the answers to our prayers. You know, uh, my wife is pregnant. I see a couple of pregnant women here, too, and we're about halfway through that pregnancy, now tell me, how foolish would it be for me to say, all right, I've had enough with this. I'm tired of this stuff. I want the baby. I love babies. I want to hold the baby. I want to feed the baby. I want the baby right now. Okay, honey, come on. Bring the baby. Honey, you know, push. Come on. Do whatever you got to do. I want the baby. No, that, no, that's silly, obviously. That's not right. I'm willing. I'm willing to be patient here. Now, there's some things that I get all conflicted about on the inside. I'm not conflicted about this. I want to wait nine months. I want to wait till this baby goes the full term. Why? Because in that womb, God is knitting this baby together. This baby is forming the bones and the flesh and the brain. And, and I believe even the spirit and soul and mind of this child is forming. And I know, I'm not a doctor, but I know that is very, very important to, to God's plan for bringing this baby into the world. So I'm willing to wait. I'm saying, baby, stay there, nice and warm and cozy in the womb. Grow and form. And when the time is right, after nine months, trusting God, this baby's going to come forth in good health. That's the attitude that we need to have when it comes to waiting on God for his promises. God, you're working in the background. And if I force something to come before it's time, it's not going to be healthy. It's not going to be a good situation. So God, I'm going to wait and I'm going to allow you to birth it. It's very, very interesting as you read through the book of Luke, and if you also read through Acts, which Luke wrote, there's a couple of themes that Luke has. Number one is births. We're hearing here about the birth of John the Baptist, and we hear about the birth of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2, we hear about the birth of the church. We also learn about the Holy Spirit. You see how the Holy Spirit is involved at every one of those births. It says here that for, uh, for Zechariah, Zechariah was told that John, his little boy, is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. You know, and then the Holy Spirit comes on who? Comes on Mary, and Jesus is born. When Jesus is older and he's baptized, it says what? That the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he goes out and he gets disciples. The disciples are born. And then in Acts chapter 2, it says that the Holy Spirit comes on those disciples and the church is born. So wherever God is at work, wherever he wants to birth something, the power of the Spirit is evident. And we have to know that God will use his Holy Spirit to birth the promises that he has for us, to us, when the time is right. We need to be equipped with that understanding. We need to be equipped with that. 
Let's go on reading chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph and a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. I just want to compare and contrast these people a little bit here. Here you've got Elizabeth and Zechariah. They're married. They're married. They're older. And they've been praying for many, many years for a child. Here you've got Mary and Joseph. They're not married. They're very young. As a matter of fact, they're likely in their mid-teens at that point. And there's no indication that they're praying for a child. For one couple, God says, if you want to be a part of my plan, you're going to have to wait. And you're going to have to wait. And you're going to have to wait. And then I will give you what you're asking for. I will bless you with a child of promise. To another couple, before they're even married, the same blessing comes to them. Before they're married. Before they're even out of their teenage years. Now, does God love one couple more than another couple? No, no. God was weaving different elements of his plan together so that everything comes at the proper time because so much rode on God's timing. John, Jesus, the works of the disciples and the apostles, the early church, that all had to happen at a very specific timing for it to work so that we can be here worshiping the Lord together. It's so, so important, God's timing. You know, I am, um, if you know me, you know I got married later in life. I was nearly 45, and uh, I had my mom. As a matter of fact, my mom is here. Speaking of women who are important in my life, my mom's here, Carol. But um, I went through years of praying for a wife, asking God, God, I, I really want to be married. Would you send me just a woman, any woman? Send me a woman. She's single. <laughs> she loves you. I'm happy. That's all I need. <laughs> That's all I need. And you know what? As I lived through my 20s and 30s, I saw all my family, saw all my friends get married. And in a couple of circumstances, and this was what really hurt, in a couple of circumstances, I watched some of their kids grow up and get married. And it made me just say, God, what are you doing? Do you not see the anguish in my heart? Don't you realize what's going on? I got my mom praying on her knees. She's crying. I'm on my knees, I'm crying, God, what, what's happening here? I remember God said to me, Todd, I can answer that prayer in an instant, but if you want to be part of the plan that I have in the earth today, you're going to have to wait for my timing. And so that just put me at rest. It's like, all right, I have a choice to make. I can just get what I want, or I can get what I want and be part of God's plan. I can just get what I want, or I can get what I want and experience something that's going to be wonderful, that's going to change my life. 
And so I had to make a decision. God, even though I want what I want, I want what you want first. And I believe that in what you want for me, I'm going to be blessed. You'll not leave my desires unfulfilled. And so I waited. Lo and behold, here she is. Blessing of my life. And uh, I'm just beginning to see the wisdom of God in having me wait for Susan. Um, She's not just a wife. She's a ministry partner. And uh, I just have a vision for what God's going to do for us. And if you're here and you're married today, I just want to challenge you. Have a vision for what you and your spouse are going to do for God. Have a vision what God wants to accomplish through you as a couple. It's very, very important. Let's keep reading here. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. So Mary asks, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Now I used to think that this was quite unfair. So Zechariah has this little moment, this little lapse in faith, and boom, God takes his voice away for nine months. And it looks like Mary here has this little lapse in faith, and yet she's blessed. She's blessed anyways. That, she doesn't lose her voice. So what's happening? Well, it's obvious as we read this story, Mary is not doubting the angel, but what is she doing? She's actually fulfilling a scripture that hasn't been actually written yet. 1 Thessalonians 5.20, it says, Don't treat prophecies with contempt but test everything and hold on to what's good. In other words, what Mary's saying here is, okay, angel, that sounds wonderful, but I'm unmarried, I'm a virgin, and you're saying I'm going to get pregnant. How is this supposed to happen? It's a good question, isn't it? It's a good question. Testing. Angel, are you saying that I need to go into sin to fulfill God's promise? And what's the angel say here? Verse 35, the angel answered, no. Well, no, it's not there, but that's what he was thinking. (laughs) The angel answered, I love this. I love this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary's response, and here's where you see her heart. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. That is the response of a believing person in Jesus. May it be to me as according, according to what you have said. God, let it happen to me according to your plan, according to your will, according to the way that you want. The angel says, for nothing, for nothing, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And here's my fifth and last point. God will reveal his power and his goodness by making the impossible possible. By making the impossible possible. If we look at that, even just in these few scriptures, God did not just take some ordinary circumstances and just put them in the right order and let everything sort of happen in a natural way. God specifically went into impossible situations. Zechariah and Elizabeth, old, totally barren, totally unable to have a child in any way, shape, or form. And Elizabeth conceives. Mary, Mary, not even married yet. Just a virgin, not married at all. An impossible situation for a birth. Mary conceives. At every point of God's plan, you can trace it from Genesis all the way through to where we are today. 
the way that God advances his plan in the earth is by taking an impossible situation and by the power of the Holy Spirit making it possible. God never enjoys working through natural means. He always chooses to take the impossible and making it possible. That's how God does things. If you've got an impossible situation in your life today, be encouraged. That's the thing that God is going to use to advance you and his kingdom and to advance his plan. God loves to take a hold of the impossible. Is your marriage in trouble? That is the very thing that God is going to use to glorify himself. He's going to take the impossible and make it possible. Are you sick today? Has the enemy come against you in your body? That is the very thing that God is going to use. He's going to take the impossible. He's going to make it possible. He's going to glorify himself, and he's going to show himself great. Even in this church, just a few people, 80 people here maybe this morning, God is going to take the impossible situation, and he's going to make it possible. God is in control. God has got his plan, and he works through people, and he takes them through these impossible situations. God is not a fan of being bored. He loves to take these impossible, difficult situations, and he works his power and his glory in them. To do what? Well, so that he will be known, so that people will see, oh, I couldn't just do this on my own. There will be a testimony. Oh, there's no way you ever could have done that on your own. Something must have happened here. And our testimony is what? Yeah, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me like it did Mary, and he turned my impossible situation possible again. God wants this for us. He wants us living in the impossible so that we can see his power and his glory come. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up. We're going to stop right there. I'm going to go ahead and pray now, and uh, Adam will lead us through some songs, but I really felt like God wanted me just to bring these simple points this morning. I believe God wants to minister his encouragement into the hearts of many, many people here this morning. If you feel like you're in an impossible situation, this word was for you. I don't care what it is. I'm going to ask my wife to come on up here, and we'd love to pray with you if you want prayer this morning. We'll just stand. We'll agree with you. We'd love to do that. But God wants to turn your impossible situation into something very possible that will bless your heart and that will give him much, much glory. Maybe you're in a position this morning where you feel like God has made you promises and you've not received your holding on. God wants to encourage you this morning. Don't give up. There's something that's happening in the background. Your answer is still in the womb of God, so to speak. Your answer, God is still working through. He's forming and he's shaping. And there's a timing that's involved. God wants to encourage you. Trust him. Trust in his timing. Wait for him. He'll not let you down. God has never, ever let anybody down. The answer may have come differently. He may have taken people to a higher place than what they ever expected, but he has never, ever let anybody down. We can trust God this morning. We can trust him this morning. God loves us. God loves us. The Bible says, you know what? Just the very fact that he sent Jesus, his one and only son, to die for us. How could he in any way, shape, or form hold back anything else from us? He's already giving us everything. He's given us everything. 
God's arms are open, but he just wants us to join him in his plan for the earth. He wants us to join him in what he's doing in the earth. If we can just say yes to him, if we can just submit to him along those lines, he'll receive glory and we will be blessed. We will be blessed. So Father, we thank you that you would even allow us to be part of your plan in the earth today. Oh God, thank you. Thank you, God, that all of this is motivated by your love. All of this is motivated by your goodness. Oh God, even when you're delaying your answers to us, Lord, that's your goodness involved. That's your greatness involved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, this morning, we just want to align our hearts with yours. Lord, I'm sure, like myself, everybody here has dreams and desires within their hearts. God, we say right now in Jesus' name, we submit those to you. We align those with your heart, with your mind, with your choices, God, with your plan. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I I pray right now for those who have been waiting for an answer to their prayers, Lord. I, I pray for them, that you would encourage them, that you would fill them with hope. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, I pray that you would give them a vision of the very thing that they're asking for, Lord, just in that womb being formed and fashioned and molded and shaped, God. I thank you for that. God, your ways are right. Your ways are good. God, if you delay, (laughs) there is no decay. It's for our own goodness, God, that you're doing that. I thank you for it now. We say that we love you this morning, God. We need you this morning. We submit ourselves to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way this morning. Have your way. We want your life working in us today. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name.